Welcome to another episode of the Low Expectations Podcast. Welcome back. Long time, no podcast. Been, been busy with life. Um, gonna try and start this back up again. Think we could produce some really good conf- content, me and, me and some other people. So just wanted to just get it back and going again. I think the first episode of this podcast ever had was when... Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant went to the Nets, and now the Nets are falling apart, and this podcast is making its return. No, uh, everything looks good with the Nets um, for now, but yeah, this podcast is back. Going to be talking NBA offseason and just going to go head, head first into the NFL season, have guests, have a good structure to the show, a good schedule where we're coming out with episodes every week, so... Looking forward to that. Been wanting to get this going again for a long time. But yeah, like I was saying, life's just gotten in the way. But we're back now and I'm excited. So let's just dive right in. Got on right now to talk a little NBA, maybe some NFL mixed in there. But NBA kind of stealing the headlines right now as we are in the what people call kind of the dog days of sports. So, I mean, sure, the Yankees are are destroying everyone but still kind of the dog days of sports where it's just the baseball uh regular season uh nothing else really going on just got done with the draft and just going headfirst into the nba offseason so yeah let's just dive right in i brought up the nets because i wanted to do this because it really seemed like we were headed towards kevin durant and kyrie irving getting traded um there were port reports yesterday that he was going to just turn down massive amounts of money and take the taxpayers mid-level with the Lakers. Um, that turned out to be false. He opted in, took the, took the sign-in and the player option sign-in with the Nets and, and opted back in. So it looks like him and Durant will be both be back on the Nets next season. But, yeah, I mean – when the, the whole thing with the Nets were happening and it's Kyrie and and it's would he actually do this? Would he actually go to the Lakers and play for one year, six million? I think that's what it would have been over. I mean, he opted in for, I think, 37 million. So is he really going to miss out on 30 million dollars? Is he really going to do this to make a point? Would a player actually do this? And it was like if there was ever going to be a player to turn that down that type of money to just go play for one year and six million, it was going to be Kyrie Irving. This is a guy that just sat out for most of an entire season to make a point. So he he has that in his realm of possibility to where it's like, oh, a player would never do that. But when it comes to Kyrie, things are just always a little different, always a little off. So it, it seemed legitimate that he was going to do that and reunite with LeBron and um, you know, I don't know how that Laker team would have been. They would have been scary on paper, um, a great 2K team, but I, I'm not sure how they would have been on the floor actually in the season. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was something that you had to actually consider because of who we are talking about. This is a guy in Kyrie that moves to the beat of his own drum, whatever you think of him and his stance on anything uh he's a magical player when he's playing he he really is that special but there's been a lot of other stuff with Kyrie right now 
but all that is for naught. I mean, Kyrie's back with the Nets. KD's not going anywhere. They're going to be, you know, we'll see what they do with Ben Simmons now. They have skyrocketed in the DeAndre Ayton news. Um, maybe there's a swap for DeAndre Ayton for Ben Simmons, something like that. I'm not sure, but I, I it'll be interesting to see where they go, but they will still have 7 and 11 there next year. So good for the Nets overall because that's the thing when it comes to trading a guy like KD is it's like no matter what you get back, it's like it's never going to equal what he is and what level of player he is. So it's just so hard. Like that that's would have been my stance as the Nets too. It's let's make this work. Let's get these guys back because I mean it's it really seemed like if if Kyrie was to do that, decline the player option, uh, ask out. KD would have been next. He would have been following that up, and then you know. And Woj even said yesterday, like, before it all got cleared up and Kyrie just opted in, funny enough, that he would have been made available to any team. So they were going to just look for the highest package. He wouldn't have had a say in where he was going. Um, but, again, it just it was all for naught. But it was interesting there for, for a few days where it's like, is this actually going to happen? Um, and the answer is no, it's not happening. Now, now what still could happen is they could trade Ben Simmons. I think they're likely to trade Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons, as we've seen, has a very weird market value. If you're Phoenix, getting him back, like on paper, again, it's it's worse than the Kyrie thing to me because at least Kyrie plays sometimes. This is now a guy in Ben Simmons that, you know, he sat out all last year. You know, he had the back thing, whatever. Um, and he he literally just sat out all last year and then had kept saying he's going to come back, he's going to come back, and then he never came back. So um, I don't know what his trade value is. If they were to get a guy like Aiton for him, I think that's a good move for, like I said, the Suns on paper. Does it work out for the Suns? I don't know because Ben Simmons is a guy that, no matter what, it'll help being around Booker and Paul, but no matter what, his inability to shoot the ball, even at an average, he won't shoot. Even just like getting a shot up to space out the defense or have them respect you in some type of way, he doesn't give you that because he just refuses to shoot at all times. And Chris Paul, he has the ball a lot. Devin Booker, he needs the ball. So, it's like, would that really work with Simmons? I don't know. It's just a weird fit wherever you put him. But on paper, I think that would be a decent return for DeAndre Ayton. Um, but we'll see. Uh, DeAndre Ayton seems to have a bunch of teams lining up that are potentially ready to pay him a big bag and possibly even the max. I mean, he's been rumored to Detroit. He's been rumored to Phoenix. There's other places where he could go to. It seems like the Suns definitely um, missed the opportunity there to, like last summer, they were talking, potentially getting the extension done with them. They don't do it. And now this is where we are. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something to keep to keep an eye on um, where, where, the, where he'll end up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like 
it's not surprising. Like people in the know talked about what was going to happen with Aiton for a, a long time. And they said, you know, Sarver's just not going to pay him. He's never been the guy to pay that level of money to the team. Um, and he's not going to pay Aiton. And, you know, you look back to the, to all that now and, and they pick him over Luca, which I am on record in the moment at that time that that was a mistake. I thought it was obvious Luca was the best player in the draft. That's one of my wins, I'd say, on my, on my draft resume, but definitely. But I just – and now you don't – he doesn't even – everybody gets the extension now. And now he was your number one pick, um, and he's not even going to get an extension. You have to get some type of value back for him, but we'll see. Uh, the Suns, to me, uh, they'll still be a good regular season team next year. They kind of got some jazz feel to me where these last couple years, they were definitely their best shots to win the title, and they weren't able to do it for different reasons. I mean, two years ago, they had Milwaukee up 2-0, and then Giannis really just went superhuman, really went to a different level those last four games and really has turned into the guy we see now. Um, and then you have this year where – just personally, throughout those playoffs, I I thought Golden State could beat Phoenix, but I never, never thought Dallas could beat them. I, I just, I thought, as much as I love Luka, Luka has honestly become one of my favorite players in the league, but I never thought it was possible that they were going to lose that series. And then the way they lost Game 7, I don't know. I, I just think that is such an emotionally tough way to come back that was their best shot. The West is going to be much better, almost up and down. I look at this as a jazz fan who they hired a coach today. Um, shout out to Will Hardy, a, a younger guy. Uh, he's been, it's been a pretty popular hire on social media. We can talk more about that. Uh, Boston Celtics assistant, young guy. Um, it kind of makes me think the jazz are looking more to the future, maybe the next couple years, not exactly next year, which I think is the correct approach. Um, but back on the Suns, it's like you lose that way. Like, you, of course, you it, it makes sense you can't bring that core back. We'll see what they can get for Aiden. But it in the West, that's going to get better. I just I think they can be a good regular season team, but I don't I, – I really don't know. I don't see them really in the contender tier – anymore fair or not because it's the same thing with the jazz last year where it was lined up for them last year and they completely blew it they threw it away um and sometimes in the in the in the league in the nfl the nba mlb anything sometimes it just is lined up better for you that year didn't happen for them didn't happen for the jazz and the jazz fell back I could definitely see the Suns falling back to that three, four, five range in the West. Cause you really look at the West, you just based off last year's standings. This is after after Phoenix, who was the one seed by eight games. You had you have Memphis, you'd expect Memphis with their young core. They have a ton of picks, ton of assets. They could cash in maybe like a three for one tribe trade. I definitely think they're gonna be better. Jaws Jaw went from nineteen points a game to twenty-eight points a game. He was he was literally the most improved player after he was already really good the year year before. Like I, I just think he's a guy that's gonna keep getting better. Golden State's the champs. They have to be treated as such. They are 
they're someone that beating them four out of seven is such a tall task and they're they're only going to be better next year dallas should be better next year the jazz okay they might be a little worse especially if they trade rudy or donovan um you got denver better with murray healthy uh and Porter Jr., they'll just be healthy again. They're going to be way better. Um, Minnesota should be better. New Orleans is going to be way better. Uh, I've really liked what New Orleans has been doing. They're going—I mean—they're getting Zion back. This is the thing with Zion. Last time we saw Zion, he was a top 15 player in the league. He was completely and totally dominant. Adding him to that core that they already have with CJ, I, I, like I just think they've done a really good job of building because you. You look at their roster, they make the CJ move. And the thing with CJ, CJ is a really good player, um, but he's smaller. He's a smaller guy and he can hurt you on on defense. That's why like the thing with him and Dame was it's like you're never going to win much with these. They won a lot, but you're never going to win a lot with uh, these small guards. But now you look at them, you got Zion. I mean, you have you have Alvarado who's not big, but he's a menace on defense. You got Hayes, you got Ingram, um, Larry Nance Jr., Valanciunas, Herb Jones. Like, they have size around CJ. CJ is a great offensive player. On the other end, he can give some back, and they have nothing but size around him or guys that are just going to flat out get after it on defense. Um, So I like what they're doing especially long-term. Like, I definitely think, I mean, they were the eight seed last year. They made the eight seed last year after winning the two playing games. I definitely think the Pelicans are a playoff team next year. No doubt in my mind. They're really doing a good job just building this roster. And then I, I like the draft they had too. I mean, you, they take Dyson Daniels who, who just, he, he gets after it on defense. He, he does. Um, we'll keep going down some of these West teams. Then, talk about the jazz hire, talk about the draft and then get out of here. Not going to be a long first podcast back, but just wanted you guys to know we will be doing this on a more consistent basis. Clippers there. They were the one that fell out of the plane. They're going to be way better, way better. Kawhi back should be back ready to go. Um, you know, he's never exactly forthcoming and open about his injury timelines and how many games he's going to play and, and all sorts of stuff like that, but he should be healthy, ready to go. And I mean, you, that's a team that no doubt in where I sit right now, that they're easily a top four team in the West. If Kawhi's back, Paul George is back. They just signed John Wall for whatever you want to say about John Wall. He's always hurt. He can't shoot all that. He was still, insanely athletic and insanely fast last year. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I watched a ton of Rockets games, but when you did, when they did still come across and you're watching them and he's playing, he, the speed is not diminished at all. The athleticism is not diminished at all. If he's healthy, I think that's a very good fit for the Clippers. I do. I mean, they need a ball initiating point guard that's not going to take shots away from their wings who are going to take all the shots um so john wall to me is a great fit for the clippers they're without a doubt a top four team in the west um is he going to stay healthy 
that's to be seen. But I really think they're going to be damn good, is my point. Spurs Spurs seem to be going into a rebuild. The DeJounte trade stuff, um, I don't really get it. Like I, I mean, I know they apparently are targeting the French kid uh, next year who, by all accounts, is that special. There's going to be a lot of teams tanking next year to get this guy. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that has something to do with them shopping Murray. And they're not shopping Murray because um, Usman Dang, by the way, that's the that's, I definitely just butchered the pronunciation, but um, that's the French player everybody's going to be tanking for next year. They, they're not shopping DeJounte in the sense that they have a really high price tag on him where they're asking for multiple unprotected picks, multiple pick swaps, and that's what they should be asking for. DeJounte Murray is, is a stud, complete stud. Um, last year, he averaged 21, 9, and 8. He averaged 21, 9, and 8 last year. Um, I just think he's a great player, man. He shot thirty, basically 33% from three on four attempts a game. He shot 80% from the line. Um, he's a great defender. Like, he's a, like, tenacious defender. And that's why I think it makes all the sense in the world to pair him next to Trey and why Atlanta should just ship everything out that they can to get him because him next to Trey is, I think, a really, really nice fit. Now, Trey... Trey's great. Trey's stats are amazing. Um, really, like they are. Like you look at Trey Young's stats. Like let me just last year, <laughs> Trey was literally twenty eight nine point seven. So he was basically twenty eight ten. 28 and 10, man. I mean, 28, 10, and then the four rebounds. So, I mean, he's a he's a stud. Now, the thing with Trey is, though, he there's always been this. He needs to learn to play without the ball a little bit. DeJounte, you know, he needs the ball too. So, I mean, maybe in that sense, it's like it's gonna, there's going to be a growing period if that deal actually does happen. But just like putting a guard that can defend that way, that can switch that way, that can – switch on to bigs and hand his, handle his ground, can switch on the wings and stay with them. Like DeJounte, like that makes all the sense in the world to me. Trey, as great as he is and as, as big a numbers as he puts up and all that, we'll see if it leads to winning um, if he continues to play that way. I'd like to see him be a little less selfish, a little more share the ball, move without the ball, take a little. I mean, the guy he literally always gets compared to is Steph. I'm talking Trey. And, I mean, comparing anyone to Steph Curry is completely unfair. Um, but that he anyone can learn from Steph in the sense that he needs to learn to not have the ball all the time and move without the ball. Trey doesn't need to have the ball as much as he does as dynamic and as great as he is, um, and he is, he's great. But yeah, they could. I mean, if they back to this got start, if the Spurs do trade Dejounte, they're obviously going to fall down. Next, you have the Lakers. Um, who knows what they're going to do? They, I mean, if they would add Kyrie, they definitely are going to be in, in the playoff mix, at least in my opinion. But now, I don't know. Like, the, I mean, 
there's no one that wants Russ. And I tread lightly in saying that, you know, there's like, oh, that contract's untradeable because we've been proven wrong time and time again. It's like, yeah, that deal's never getting moved. And then like three months later, it gets moved. But so like, I don't want to sit here saying like Russ is untradeable, but nobody wants him. No one wants Russ. You're going to have to attach picks. A lot of them, the Lakers have none. They have like 2027 and 2029. Like those are the picks they have left and they're already shopping them like heavily. So I just, I don't, Russ is going to be on the team. Like there's no doubt about it. He's going to be on the team because he might be the one guy that's actually untradeable. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and then you look at these other teams like Houston. I like what they're doing with their young core. OKC, I thought they had a great draft, a draft that was just so OKC where they got guys like Chet, where they they literally they got guys that are going to have time to develop because, you know, maybe they're not ready right now, but they will be ready. And Chet, um, we'll, we'll talk more Chet in the in the draft, like as the draft like comes, but you know they take they take Chet too, they take Usman Dang at eleven, um, then they take Jalen Williams. Like the Jalen Williams one, I mean he's the guy that rose. He's the Santa Clara kid that just jumped into the lottery. He was the highest riser in the draft. I like him. Um, it's just kind of, he's not ready. He's not ready yet. Um, but he is like an excellent shooter. He was, he was ran a ton of pick and roll at St. at Santa Clara. He was their guy, um, there where he, it was just, the ball was in his hands constantly running pick and roll. So, I mean, I like I like what OKC is doing, but uh, I mean they're doing what they always do. They're kicking the can down the road, um, and yeah. So it's like the the bottom teams in the West. I mean they're not really gonna. Yeah, I mean like Portland for even with Dame back, that's not they got nothing. Sack nothing. I mean so there's some bottom teams in the in the West, but still my point is basically one through ten if you put the Lakers in that 10 spot instead of the Spurs, and if they run it back with DeJounte and Pop's still there, hey, look, they're going to be right in that playoff game again, meaning the Spurs, that play-in game again. So, yeah, I mean, then the Jazz, like, I don't think I mentioned them really. They hire they hire Will Hardy, young guy from the Celtics assistant. Um, hopefully he preaches defense. He's, he's an Ainge guy. This is a Danny Ainge hire. Um, anyone that thinks, I don't think anyone thinks this now, but I remember the Ainge hire came in and people like, oh, you know, he's just closing out his career there. No, Danny Ainge has a lot of say. He might have the most say right now within that organization. This type of hire, hiring Hardy, a young guy like this, going to be one of the youngest coaches in the league. It leads me to believe they're making a future long play here and a trade could still potentially be coming. Um, what does a jazz trade look like? I don't I, I don't I, I don't think they're gonna trade Donovan um, unless it's just a godfather offer, which I don't think is coming. So I, I just think that's a very 
very low chance they trade Donovan. Um, Rudy, I think it's a higher possibility they do deal him. It's just kind of what does a Rudy trade look like? What's Rudy's value around the league? I mean, this is things that has been debated for years. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think we will see some movement, but also I could see them running it back. I could see them running it back with these two guys, carving out the edges around the team a little bit better around Don. Conley's definitely got to go. Royce definitely has to go. Um, probably going to need to move Bogey to like improve the team because like he's the only guy that like so that's the thing with the Jazz. You got the two guys, the two to two All Star level players that have a lot of value. And then you have basically no one else with any value at all on the team. Conley has no, no, no sort of trade value at all right now. Like none. Um, Royce O'Neal, same thing. Um, so they're definitely going to have to dig into, they have no picks. They have nothing. Like <laughs> it's, that's why it's like, I, I'm with the, the rebuild kind of side of thinking because it's like, this team has no assets. No assets. You really think they're going to carve out the edges that good to be that perfect five seed again? Who gives a shit? Just trade Rudy for maybe it is 80 cents on the dollar, but it'll put you in a direction that is not this, is not no man's land. Because, I don't know. I just think overall this team has maxed out what it can potentially be. You don't want to trade Donovan. And, like, everybody's frightened and, like, freaking out. They all think Donovan's eventually going to ask out. And maybe he is. Maybe he will. And maybe that is where this heads. He has to be traded to the Knicks and he gets traded for the, to the Knicks. But also he just signed the extension. He, to me, to me, he has not shown any indication that he wants to go. He just signed the extension. Now, we've seen in the NBA this happens. They sign the extension, like, oh, I'll figure it out later. Let me get the most money. I'll ask out later. It'll all be fine. Like, sure, that stuff happens, absolutely. But he's made no inkling, no indication that he wants to go. So keep him. Deal with the big man. There's Like, there's definitely drama on the team. Nobody likes Rudy within the team. From what I've heard, Nobody, it, nobody is on Rudy's side about this, and that should be pretty telling. Um, everyone is Team Donovan on the team, and that's basically been all but confirmed. That so you can now Rudy's defensive value it it's kind of astronomical, and it's hard to be like, yeah, let's just get 70% of that, like, of a three-time defensive player of the year, a guy that's at and statistically far and away the best defender in the league every single year. But still, if you get another rim-rolling center that maybe fits better with the team, and this isn't even on Rudy. This is just the way this league works, is you have your shot at it, your little run for three to five years and then it usually gets blown up and usually someone's unhappy. Um, so that I lean to trade Rudy and it's, it's not even about Rudy. It's just this team has went as far as it's going to go. That loss to the Mavs in the first round, obviously wasn't really podcasting then, but 
that they, they didn't even have Luca for the first three games. Um, to lose that series and look as just uninspiring as they did as a team and then run it back, that is a, that is a slap in the fan base's face. I mean, we're Jazz fans, so, you know, we're used to that. But I, I just think that is that is – you can't do that. You cannot run it. You were the five seed. You lost in six to a team that didn't have their best players three out of the six games. And game four, he was he was still clearly hurt, Luca. And how does this get better? How does this get better running it back? I, Will Hardy, he could be a great coach. But you're telling me with a coach that young and a team that clearly has internal problems is going to be better next year? Quinn Snyder, it, whether Jazz fans want to believe it or not, Quinn Snyder was a damn good coach. And I just think this team's clearly taking a step back. Like, we just went over how good the West is. Like, no doubt in my mind they're taking a step back. They can run it back if they want. I, I still think they find themselves in that play, playing game range. I, I don't think they're as good as those top teams. They could not beat those teams in a series. They, they couldn't beat Dallas last year. Dallas is going to be better. They, they, they couldn't beat the Clippers. They couldn't beat the Warriors. Um, they probably couldn't beat Phoenix in a series. They probably couldn't beat – they probably can't beat a healthy Denver team in a series. They already lost to Denver once in a series. Are they better than Minnesota now if they run it back? I don't know. That's pretty close. Minnesota was 46 and 36 last year. Jazz 49 and 33. Like, I think most people would have the T-Wolves finishing with a better record than the Jazz next year, like as where we sit right now. So just running it back makes it, – it really does – it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you might as well take a little bit of a step back. I mean, Donovan and Pieces, if you do trade Rudy, say it was to the Hawks and they don't get DeJounte, they get Rudy. And it's John Collins, it's some picks, it's Herter. Um, yeah, you're going to be a worse team next year if you're the Jazz. Like, definitely. But, I mean, you're probably going to be in, like, the 8, 9, 10 range. And with Rudy, what, you're going to be in the 6, 7 range? Like, who cares? Like, get the extra assets because the Jazz have none. This is, like, the one asset they can cash in on. Bogey, he might have a little value more than completely none like Conley and Royce, but it's not like you're pulling back Durant here. It's not like you're pulling back even another all-star level player. If you're just putting bogey out there on the market, man, I mean, bogey Royce Conley. I mean, the two that I mentioned last Royce and Conley, they have zero value whatsoever, but bogey isn't going to net you back a, a great player. He might net you back something that fits better, around Rudy and Donovan, but it's not going to be something special. So, yeah, I'm definitely team keep Donovan, move Rudy, take a step back, try to get better here in a few years. Um, I'm also definitely team trade Conley um, and, and Royce. Like, I really want to see a different Jazz team next year, and – but to the Jazz fans that are talking themselves into running it back, the only – and I don't blame you. Uh, well, I guess I do. But the only thing I'll ask you – it's not like I think you're dumb. Like, that makes that makes sense. Um, but 
what I would ask you is, is this team going to be any better next year? And also, if they asked you a week after, we won't even go right after they lost game six, but a week after game six, I'd say 90% of the fan base was ready to trade. I mean, some were even saying trade Donovan, um, but they were at least ready to trade one of them. So I don't know what's changed. I don't know why people suddenly think this is going to be a better team next year. Um, and I don't want to hear about injuries. Every every team has injuries. Like, that's what, that's what they go to. Oh, Don, he was hurt. Or Conley, he was hurt against the Clippers. Or whatever it is. It's like. They were missing Kawhi Leonard. Every other team is missing players, and and that's just part of it. You can't run it back strictly because of of a, a minor in, injury here or there. It's not like someone was out for the season. Um, so, yeah, that's my jazz thoughts right now. I do like the hire. All right, the draft. That was it. I just want to kind of talk about, like, the first three picks and then maybe some Ivy and Murray or Murray going ahead of Ivy, like that was a surprise, but yeah. So I think this is a really good draft. I think this is a draft that you kind of need to pick a side, like which one of these three is your guy, you know, like I was just saying, you, you get, I got a win for the Luca draft. I have some losses there too. Um, if this was a stock game, I would have been bankrupt years ago because I would have had so much stock in Michael kid, girl, Chris being good that it would have forced me to file for bankruptcy. But we made, like, so that's what I'm trying to say. you got to put your flag in the guy you think is the best guy in this draft. Um, I thought Jabari was the best player in this draft. Uh, The whole time it seemed like Orlando was going to take Jabari. Um, They didn't. They take Paolo. And so... It's interesting because Paolo didn't even work out for them. It seemed like Paolo's camp really wanted him to go to Houston and play with Jalen Green. It looked like that, that that's where it was headed. OKC seemed like they were in on Chet the whole time. I think that's the perfect team for Chet. Um, but the reason I had Jabari won, the size, um, and then the shot making, I just think relying back on those two things is just – it's it's a good – way to go uh, jabari's shot is gorgeous too it's 40 percent it, from three in college just a gorgeous shot like he it, it, it's smooth it, it and he has the length he has a massive wingspan the handle i think is what freaked people out a little bit but it doesn't concern me as much because you know each draft pick everybody talks about best case scenario worst case scenario Worst case scenario, he say he never gets the handle. Declare, I'm not saying he's the third best shooter of all time or a top five shooter of all time, wherever you want to have Clay Thompson. Um, but did he, like, did Clay Thompson ever develop that handle? No. If if he's that size, that level of shooter, the shots that gorgeous, he shot that well in college. There's no doubt in my mind you can find a place for him to play. Um, And if he gets the handle, I mean, good night, good night. He, I think he's a great fit next to Jalen Green. He doesn't need the ball. Like, that's the thing. It's like eventually all these guys are going to want to have the ball. 
but it's also nice to know that you don't need to just, at least for me, it's nice to know that you don't need to just give him the whole car keys per se. Like he's willing to fit in. And I think, I'm not saying that Paulo isn't, um, but Paulo's going to want the ball. Paulo from day one probably is going to want to be your creator, your initiator on offense. And I like Paulo. He right now, I think, is the best player in the draft right now. Now that I'd said I'd prefer Jar- Jabari, uh, I would have taken Jabari one. Um, that's the side I'm on. But right now, there's no arguments that Paulo's the best player in the draft. He had a better college career than these other guys. Um, but that's not the pick. That's not what this job is. It's how are they going to be in 10 years, five years. So I just, I think Jabari is the safest long-term bet, but yeah, like I'm not going to sit here saying Paulo Ventura is not, is not like a a really good player. I liked Paulo. I had Paulo third. I think Paulo is closer to what, which is good. This is a good and a bad thing where he's closer to being what he's going to be. Um, and he's already kind of that size he's probably going to be, right? And he's he's got that body type and everything. And everything you saw him do in college, you probably can see him doing that in the NBA. Whereas Jabari, if he does get that handle, all of a sudden he's just a 6-6 six, six scorer because the shot is great. And then Chet... Chet was a tough one because to evaluate because everybody that watches him is like, wow. You know, like at least for a second, you're going to be like, I get it. I get it why people see him and regard him this highly. And then you're going to see like, but then there's like a bunch of other stuff that like makes you pause with Chet where it's like the body type. We've never seen a guy in the league succeed with this type of body i mean just so skinny and and but he is seven one uh and when he's and he's so it's back to that he's so willing to fit into a team he's so willing to accept a role and um i'm a fan i think it he went to the perfect place too where they can stash him they can let him develop um i mean okc has like it's just basically stash and develop at this point. You have, you have guys that it's like they're years away, but I like them. You know, you you got you got Chet. I mean, Shay Shay's ready now. Like he's ready to play now. Um, it'd be nice to see him not just be like, all right. When March hits, it's, it would be nice to see him playing meaningful game, meaningful games, not just. Oh, you know, Jay, you know, you're, you're too good. Just go off in the corner now or you're done for the season. <laughs> like you're going to ruin our draft stock. It'd be nice to see him actually playing. But yeah, I just think OKC overall has, a, a, I mean, Giddy, Poku, Chet. They have guys that just really intrigue me. Now it might take a few years, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's. I think they're, I mean, obviously it's Presty. It's not like he's going to do a bad job at rebuilding, but he's doing a good job putting pieces together. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my draft thoughts, some some quick NBA thoughts. Just get another episode back out there, uh, show that this podcast still exists, that we still plan to be 
doing this throughout the season. It's not just going to be me. It's going to be guests. It's going to be NFL, NBA, MLB. I mean, the Yankees The Yankees are just – I mean, they just started just barely right now too, um, taping this Tuesday night. But 54-20 and 20 at the time of this taping, 12 up on the Sox. Um, wow. I'd be lying if I was saying I wasn't thinking of the win record and potentially what this team could be historically. Cause growing up you hear about the 98 Yankees and what they meant and how good they were and how they just won every day. And then now this team, I really, uh, they're just a joy to watch. Hopefully they can get to 55 and 20 tonight. Um, we'll be back as soon as next week. I'm hoping to have consistent episodes every week. Uh, Thanks for staying with us through the long hiatus. We dusted off the cobwebs. We are back. Low Expectations is back. Tell everybody, Low Expectations is back. Um, If you haven't in a while, you can subscribe and like the podcast again. That'll always help us grow. And we're going to get this thing going again as the NBA offseason kicks into full swing and the NFL still feels forever away. But we're going to talk about it, preview divisions, playoff picks, all that. So... Watch this feed, y'all.